One of the questions I got a lot from people is how do I know what my boundaries are? Well, the way you know what your boundaries are is by what's important to you. In other words, what are your values? So I start all my trainings and all my coaching with people identifying their top five values. This doesn't mean you don't have more than five, but five is a large enough number that it's meaningful, but it's not so big that you can't sort of hold on to those five, you know, in the front of your mind. And so you're going to make decisions about how you want to live your life in alignment with your values. And for me, you know, the name of this podcast is Fragmented to Whole Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery. Well, one of the many ways in which I became fragmented was by not living in alignment with my values. So when you start living your life in alignment with your values and you start setting boundaries around what you value, you are bringing yourself into integrity with yourself. And when you're not living in alignment with your values, you are chipping away at your integrity. And integrity is another word for wholeness. Hi, I'm Barb Nangle. I want to welcome you to my podcast, Fragmented to Whole, Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery, where I help people heal their emotional, psychological, and spiritual wounds and make deep, lasting changes in their lives. I'm the founder and CEO of Higher Power Coaching and Consulting, LLC, where I coach people on how to develop healthy boundaries. On this podcast, I share my experience, strength, and hope from recovery. I don't support or endorse any particular 12-step recovery fellowship, and I don't claim to speak for any particular 12-step fellowship. I also don't believe that 12-step recovery is the only way to recover. You might need additional help. My hope is that you'll find my words concretely helpful in improving your life, whether you're in recovery or not. If you like what you've heard on this episode, please screenshot it and share it on social media. And if you do, please be sure to tag me at Higher Power Coaching. This is episode 200, my celebration episode. Today, we are going to do something really different, and that is that my podcast producer, the amazing Alicia Galati of Galati Media Studios, is going to interview me. So some of you have entered a contest to try to win three one-hour coaching episodes with me, and so you need to stay tuned to the end to see who won. And we're going to literally figure that out live on this recording. Well, for you, it'll be recorded, but for us, it's live. So now I would like to introduce Alicia. Hi, Barb. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to ask these listener questions and also celebrate with you because 200 episodes, holy cow, that is incredible. Like, wow. Yeah. And as I was saying to you, before we started the recording, what's really incredible about that, and I'm going to get choked up talking about it, is my ability to be consistent for myself. I was consistent for other people my whole life and reliable and dependable is one of the things I really honored the most about myself. But the fact that I can show up for myself and follow through for myself on a consistent basis has everything to do with my recovery and 12-step recovery and for my healthy boundaries because people with healthy boundaries let good things in like compliments, praise, support, help, and that sort of thing. 
And then before I go on, the other thing I want to share is that today is February 1st, 2023. And five years ago, I reached my goal weight. I'm in recovery for compulsive overeating. I am down over 100 pounds from my weight. I've literally never weighed the same weight for five years in a row my entire life. And even though I didn't grow up heavy, I was growing all those years. And then it was in my early 20s when the weight issue started. And so that is unbelievably miraculous. But what's even more miraculous than the weight loss is the fact that the obsession and the compulsion for the food, especially sugar, has been lifted. And that has everything to do with my ability to maintain the weight loss, my ability to be consistent and show up for myself, and to be able to carry the message of recovery to those who still suffer. So this day is not just a celebration of 200 episodes of my podcast. That's sort of symbolic of the other things that I'm celebrating in my life. Yeah. Oh, so incredible. I mean, with that, let's just go ahead and get started on some questions that I have. What was that journey like for you? What was that? I know you have an episode that's all about your journey, but if you could give kind of the the run through, what did that look like for you? Um, It was fucking brutal, to be perfectly honest with you. So I was a self-help junkie. I got introduced to the self-help genre at 24. I started therapy at about 15 and went not continuously, but almost continuously. And it was 37 years of therapy. By the time I got into recovery, I did retreats and workshops and workbooks and physical fitness and health and nutritionists and like you name it. And I hit a codependent bottom. I'm not going to go into the details of that because that's in my story in brief episode one and various other episodes, but I hit a codependent bottom and didn't know that that's what that was. And I literally felt like I was going to die. And so I got into recovery and got introduced to another recovery program where I started working the 12 steps of recovery, where you actually like look at what happened to me. So what's interesting is in the beginning of this podcast, I never wanted to tell people what programs I was in because I didn't want to be seen as speaking for them. But I've recently come out on other podcasts and then this podcast as being a member of adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families. And in that program, we realize we are a product of our environment. And so we have to look at what happened to us. And I mean, I think I might have identified that I was from a dysfunctional family. If someone had asked me, were you from a dysfunctional family? But it was not anything that really stood out for me. And the more I did, especially step four is where you take a searching and fearless moral inventory of your life. And there's 12 different inventories in ACA about your childhood or about your, you know, your growing up. I was like, wow, man, this shit was fucked up. Like not only was my family way more screwed up than I thought, but I was also way more screwed up than I thought. And for me personally, the greatest gift of my recovery has been learning what we call my part in things. Like what was I doing that was creating and exacerbating the chaos going on around me? Because I literally didn't know that I was doing anything. I thought I've got it all right, which is hilarious now. And it's not like I consciously said, you're to blame, you're to blame, you're to blame, but I was living in blame of other people in the world. And I literally thought if people would just do things my way, which now is really hilarious. And I still have those thoughts. Sometimes I just now recognize them as bullshit. So doing that inventory was absolutely brutal. In fact, it was during the time of doing step four in ACA that I hit bottom with the sugar. 
So I had been battling with a hundred ish pounds for over 20 years. And though I always liked sugar, it wasn't like the thing for me. It was really food. But that last, I don't know, six months to a year, it was sugar that took me down. I just could not, at the end, I could not shovel enough sugar in my face. Mm. And it was just so painful. And the day that I hit bottom with sugar, I woke up, it was Wednesday, April 20th, 2016. And I felt like I was being internally electrocuted by sugar. And I had a friend who had been, we call it 12 stepping someone. So in step 12, part of step 12 says we carry the message of recovery to those who still suffer. So when someone is kind of carrying the message to you, you call it being 12 steps. So she was 12 stepping me into OA, Overeaters Anonymous. I didn't know that at the time that that was what she was doing. So I texted her and I said, listen, I just have to tell somebody that just today, just today, I am not having sugar and I have not had sugar since that day. And that was really tough in the beginning too. And by the grace of my higher power, I have not relapsed. And it was really that first year that was the most brutal. The second year was a little bit less brutal And by the time I came out of my second year, it was very clear that I was a deeply changed person. I continue to change deeply and profoundly. But not only was it brutal and painful, it was joyful and rewarding because I learned what I could stop doing and what I could start doing that changed everything. And I would say for me personally, If I were to put a number on it, when I changed my behaviors, probably 85% of the drama of my life just went away. Mm -hmm. So of course, I still have ups and downs, and I'm kind of in a downish thing period right now in my life, but I have tools for how to handle it. So I heard recently this metaphor that I love, like recovery is not stopping the rain. It's learning that umbrellas exist getting an umbrella, and then learning how to use the umbrella. And then also learning how to get boots and maybe a raincoat and a scarf and gloves and all the stuff you need to protect yourself from the vicissitudes of life. So that's about as brief as I can answer that question. Oh, what an incredible journey. Where did the podcast show up in this journey and and the kind of starting it. I did a whole episode with you on your podcast about the entire journey. And we can put a link in the show notes to that if people want to hear like the details about that. But it was really serendipity. And I like to think of coincidence as God's way of remaining anonymous. But it was just by chance that Rev Kev from Baobab Tree Studios in downtown New Haven approached me because he wanted me to do sales and marketing for the ads for the podcast that he was going to start producing. And I was like, I don't do sales and marketing. Like I'm a connector. And he was the second person that had recently approached me about doing that kind of thing. And he was telling me about this pitch event that he was having where people could pitch their ideas for a podcast. And if, if they liked them, then they would go ahead and produce them. And I was like, I think I'll do that. And it came about because I had done a couple sessions with a coach. I had realized I want to start my own business. And she was encouraging me to do YouTube videos. And I just didn't get why. Like, why do I need to be on video? But, 
you know, I got a lavalier mic. I got a little thing to hold my phone to, you know, a little stand for that. I did an adult ed thing on how to do YouTube videos. I didn't really start, but it podcast made more sense to me because, you know, I'm a talker, obviously. So I pitched the thing. I really didn't have any thought about what would happen with it and where it would go. But the reason that I came up that it would be about recovery was because I do a lot of outreach and recovery. I actually did more of it back then because it was more in the beginning of my recovery. I still do quite a bit, but not as much. And what that means is I connect with fellows in recovery outside of the rooms of recovery for one-on-one phone calls just to like mutually support each other. And I found myself saying a lot of the same things over and over and over again. And I think it was kind of subconsciously like, why don't I just record this stuff? And so I just started with some of the like most important things for me, like acceptance, overcoming negative thought loops, getting out of victim mentality, and just went from there. And what has happened over time is that either I'll be in a conversation with somebody about my own or their recovery or both. And I'll be like, oh my God, this is a great idea for a podcast because it's so helpful when I hear these things. Or I will have an issue and I will work it out given the tools of recovery. And I'll be like, that'll make a really great podcast. Or somebody will suggest something. But I will tell you that I have many times gone back and listened to my own podcast to hear my own wisdom about things. Because, you know, one of the things that happens literally for everybody I've ever spoken to about this in recovery is you'll have a piece of literature in recovery that you may have read like literally dozens or hundreds of times. And you pick it up and this day, something completely different comes out of it. It's like you read what you need to read or you're a different person. So you read it differently. And the same thing happens for me. So even though I said that thing on the podcast, I might've forgotten about it and I need to hear this stuff. And so, I mean, I think as I'm saying this, they say we teach what we need to learn. So I think, you know, I'm teaching what I need to learn. And I'm teaching it in a way that makes sense to me. So when I record my podcast, I basically pretend I'm talking to a fellow in recovery. I think, honestly, I'm sort of like reaching back into the past and talking to former me. Because here's the thing, Leisha, I had no fucking idea how fucked up I was. I had no idea what was possible in life. There was just so much I was blind to. And so if I can say a phrase or a saying or something in a way that just catches somebody in that moment that they're like, oh my God, that's me. She's talking to me or she's talking about me. Like what a blessing to be able to do that. And if I can save one person, even one minute of the kind of suffering that I did, which I didn't even know was suffering. There's some things I knew for certain I was suffering, but there was so much that I didn't know I didn't have to endure. So I guess I'll stop there so we can go on to the next question. No, this is so good. You work with people, as you just mentioned, on coaching them through the things that you've gone through. What does that look like working with you and being able to get that kind of support? One, why is it important? And then what does it look like? So I have become a boundaries coach. And the reason that I focus specifically on boundaries, because they were such a game changer for me. So my core wound is codependence, which is essentially lack of boundaries. 
And because that was such a game changer for me, that really felt like the right niche for me. Also, the thing about boundaries is they permeate literally every single area of your life. So I can help people in every area of your life. The main way that people experience lack of boundaries is in dysfunctional relationships, whether it's family, friends, coworkers, especially romantic, but also with yourself. And I have recently expanded into doing more public speaking, keynote speak, keynote speaks, keynote speaking engagements, um, workshops and trainings for people in the helping professions. But the idea with all of that work, whether it's one-on-one coaching, group coaching, or the speakings and trainings is to help people learn how to live their lives on purpose and thrive. So I'll just talk briefly about my one-on-one coaching. So I created a curriculum. It's a 12-module curriculum. I call it Better Boundaries with Barb. And the way that came about is I really learned how to form healthy boundaries through the process of 12-step recovery. And after I got really well-established boundaries, I started doing a bunch of reading about boundaries. And it was like I retroactively understood what the fuck happened to me. Oh, that's what I was doing. And I'm a visual person. And so one of the things that happened when I was reading these books is they're all a bunch of words. There was no visual. So I felt the need to like draw pictures to depict what I was seeing or what I was experiencing. And then eventually those pictures turned into handouts and then those handouts turned into this workbook. And that is the backbone of my coaching program. So what happens when people do coaching with me is we meet weekly for an hour and we talk about anything that's come up for them, especially regarding boundaries, which is just about everything. And, you know, talk through their specific situations, how to think about it, words to say, you know, things they can do to manage their feelings and all that stuff. Then I do a PowerPoint presentation on that week's topic. Then they go home and they go to my curriculum, which includes episodes of my podcast It includes writings that I have done. And then after they've done that, they go to the workbook. And this is where they take all they learned in the discussion, the PowerPoint presentation, the podcasts, and the readings, and they apply it to their own specific life and scenarios so that what they're doing is building their own boundary system. And I cannot tell you what it is like for me to shepherd someone through that process. Because one of the things I realized probably a couple years after the fact was the importance of having other people on the journey with me and building boundaries, because I needed people to say, you are not a bad person for setting this boundary. You deserve to have peace. You deserve to have your needs met. You deserve to cut this person off if that's what's going on. Or, you know what, you might not want to say it that way. Or one thing that my friend said to me was like, keep your hands away from the keyboard. Because a lot of it was like, you know, emailing people immediately. And I really needed those other people. And my journey to build boundaries was really sort of haphazard and happened bit by bit, which I think it has to happen bit by bit, because you need to learn something, try it out, and then try it out again and all that sort of thing. What happens for my clients is that I'm able to accelerate that process for them really rapidly. And I will tell you, I can't think of any of my clients that in the first four, five, six weeks have dramatic changes in that short period of time. And then they continue to have changes after that. And I think 
big part of it is that they start to understand they have way more control over their lives than they think that they do. And that's what they're, you know, they're really getting. And then, you know, when it comes to the trainings that I do with groups of people, it's really addressed towards the individual human beings in those organizations. But when those human beings start to take some control over their whole lives, it impacts the whole organization. And the other thing it does is it gets people starting to talk about boundary issues as an organization. And it gets people to start talking publicly about what they're going through in their personal lives and not to spill it out into their organization and screw it up, but to let people know who they really are. And the one other thing I want to say about working with me is I learned that for me, one of the questions I got a lot from people is how do I know what my boundaries are? Well, the way you know what your boundaries are is by what's important to you. In other words, what are your values? So I start all my trainings and all my coaching with people identifying their top five values. This doesn't mean you don't have more than five, but five is a large enough number that it's meaningful, but it's not so big that you can't sort of hold on to those five, you know, in the front of your mind. And so you're going to make decisions about how you want to live your life in alignment with your values. And for me, you know, the name of this podcast is Fragmented to Whole life lessons from 12-step recovery. Well, one of the many ways in which I became fragmented was by not living in alignment with my values. So when you start living your life in alignment with your values and you start setting boundaries around what you value, you are bringing yourself into integrity with yourself. And when you're not living in alignment with your values, you are chipping away at your integrity. And integrity is another word for wholeness. So when you are not whole, you go to the world to try to fill in those gaps. And the thing is, the world cannot fill those gaps. You can potentially with the help of a higher power, but you're the one that has to bring you in alignment with your integrity. And so one of the secrets about building healthy boundaries is that it's about learning to live in alignment with your integrity. It's about becoming whole. That's so incredible. And it sounds like the work you do is extremely important and your clients are getting really incredible life-changing results, which is just amazing. Yeah. I mean, and it's, you know, people use words to describe the changes in their lives but it's just monumental. So the one that just popped up in my head is one of my private clients is a teacher. And she's been a teacher for many, many years. And especially during the pandemic, like, and right after, like, well, still, things have been just really, really chaotic. And after coaching with me, she said to me, Barb, not only do I come home every day from school, and I am not drained. I come home every Friday from the week and I am not drained. And it's because I am not taking on other people's emotional baggage. I am not trying to manage everything around me. I'm clear what's mine and what's not mine. And what that means is that I can be available to my colleagues, to my administrators, and more importantly, to my students in ways that I just couldn't before. Like, come on. Like, are you kidding me? So not only is this woman in her individual life been changed, 
Her school has been impacted by her ability to develop healthy boundaries. And this is one of the reasons why I've started working with people in the helping professions, but teachers, because what many people don't know about me is that I was a program coordinator for urban education programs for 19 years. So I have an affinity for schools and kids and teachers. And I know that teachers are like, to me, other than being a parent, teacher is the most important job in our society. And we need to be taking care of our teachers and we're just not. And so I want to give teachers the tools to manage their lives in such a way that they can actually thrive no matter where they are. Yeah. Teachers, nurses, people who are constantly giving. Nonprofit workers. Yeah. 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 And in your case, coaching, right? So mm-hmm. that leads me very beautifully to my next question. <laughs> Ooh, this wasn't even planned. Yay. As someone who is working with others and can very easily get empathetic and caring about the people around you, how do you hold those boundaries for yourself and take care of yourself while also helping other people and being able to take care of them? Good question. For me, the interesting thing that happens when you form boundaries, this happened to me and it happens to my clients and it's happened to my other people in recovery. So I'm not just making this up. This is a thing. When you start to have really healthy boundaries, there's this thing that happens where there's almost this energetic boundary that gets developed around you, whereby you get to hold on to your yummy goodness and repel other people's yuckiness. What happens when I am with a client or someone in recovery who is going through something really devastating, it's not happening to me. It used to be happening to me because my boundaries were very permeable. I felt other people's emotions, but it's not. And so if I'm having a fantastic day, I can still hold onto my fantastic day energy while still being 100% present for them, hear them, empathize with them, but not get into their stuff and feel their, they don't need me to feel their feelings. They need me to reflect back to them. They need to me to affirm them. They need to me to be supportive of them. And so I think that that's just happened with having healthy boundaries, but I have an enormous self-care routine. I also am engaged in a lot of recovery. I go to two different fellowships. So I go to at least one meeting per week for each of those fellowships. I sponsor five people. I have a sponsor. I have some, what we call fellow travelers, people that I connect with on a very consistent basis in recovery. So I am in my program of recovery multiple times a week and multiple times a day. I have, obviously, my business is called Higher Power Coaching and Consulting for a reason. I was spiritual before I got into recovery, but I've become a deeply spiritual person. I make lots of conscious contact with my higher power throughout the day. I have a whole series of prayers that I say multiple times a day. I say affirmations. I have readings that I do. I do mindset journaling because my mind wants to tell me crappy stuff. It's cleaned up a lot, but it's still constantly telling me crappy stuff. So I do mindset journaling at the beginning and the end of every single day. I pray in the middle of the day. I do a nightly inventory. I meditate twice a day. So I really take good care of myself. 
And my main leisure time is spent with my sweetheart. And I have like a schedule with him so that I'm seeing him some part of every single day. So we have lots of together time, but we also have lots of alone time. And like the one thing that I do every single week for socializing is my Friday night women's meeting. We go out for coffee afterwards. So at minimum, I do some kind of like socializing with friends. And, you know, yeah, sometimes we talk about recovery, but most of the time we're just chatting and stuff like that. And I do like to play and have fun in my life. My favorite thing to do in regard to that is to play games. I love to play games. Like board games? Yes. Nice. That's awesome. All right. Well, those are all the questions that I have, but I know that we have some listener questions. So we're going to move on to some of those. Before you do that, I do want to say one thing to the listeners, which is I got, I think, 12 questions. And really only three of them make sense for this interview. The rest of them are questions about recovery or about boundaries. So what I'm going to do with those is I'm going to answer them on the next episode. And it might take me two or three episodes because I don't want to make them really long episodes. So if your question is not being answered on this episode, stay tuned because it'll be answered on the next episode or two. So fire away. First question that we have is... How did you handle the toughest part in your journey, both with this and all other adversities that you've encountered? And how did they assist you in your growth? And we've talked a little bit about this, but if you could think of the toughest part of your journey, how did you handle that? Higher power, hands down. One of the things that I learned to do in recovery that I never did before was to use God in ways. And I happen to call my higher power God. I know that not everybody does that. And I have my own meaning of what that means. And so I hand things over to God. I never did that before. I literally, like I, my main things that I have handed over over time, especially in the beginning, were my feelings and my thoughts. Because I didn't know that I ruminated. Like I am a positive person and always has been, have been. And turns out I had a lot of crap going on in my head, for, especially for a positive person. So handing things over to God, but also asking God for guidance. I never did those things before. And it's amazing the kind of inspiration that happens. And it's like the fact, like when I have the first time that I handed something over and it was lifted, it was like, what? This is a thing. Like, I don't have to carry worry. I don't have to ruminate. I don't have to, I call it living into the wreckage of the future. I don't have to think through every possible negative scenario and every single thing that could possibly happen and how I'm going to handle it and all that stuff, because that stuff didn't serve me. It wasn't working. It's not working, right? So it's absolutely my higher power. And then, I mean, I could go on about all the tools I have of recovery, but I also use the tools of recovery. I have podcast episodes about all three of these. Number one is pausing. Number two is reaching out. And number three is keeping the focus on myself. We'll put uh, links to those in the show notes too. Those are to this day, my top three tools of recovery, but it's mainly higher power. So beautiful. Our next question is, you have made so many positive changes in your life, as well as the lives of others. And now on your 200th episode, what is one thing that happened or that you discovered that enabled you to transform your life? Uh, The first thing that pops in my mind is all the things I was doing that were not functional. I didn't know that I gossiped. That seems insane. So here's what I did. My boss of 19 years, who I love dearly, by the way, I would talk negatively behind her back, 
with my colleagues. That's the definition of gossip, okay? But I somehow didn't know that. So I had to learn that I was gossiping and then stop, which was monumental. Because by the way, when I learned to stop gossiping, it was like it took down a whole bunch of other negative behaviors because I got to see how all these things were connected. I learned to mind my own goddamn business. Like I was constantly giving unsolicited advice to people. And one of the most common areas I gave advice was relationships. Meanwhile, I had a fucking string of like only dysfunctional romantic relationships. I am only now in my first healthy romantic relationship of my life. So just my part in things, you know, like, and, and I mean, I could go on and on. This podcast is about my part in things largely. Yeah. It's beautiful. Discovering that you were part of it. And you mentioned that earlier where yes, there were other people's things added to it, but once you took note of the, your part in it and the, how you participated and added to the chaos then you were able to make a change. Yeah. On to our third question, which is congratulations on 200 episodes, Barb. Yes. Cheers. Woohoo. Yay. Yay. (laughs) As you reflect back on your podcast journey, what is the most significant thing that you have learned about yourself? That I can show up for myself. And what that comes from is loving myself. I think I always liked myself, but I didn't love myself. And I've always had high self-esteem, but what's come up for me in the last couple of years is realizing I didn't have self-worth. Because if you look at my behavior over all those decades, that is not the behavior of a woman who values herself. So I think the thing I've learned is I can show up for me and I do show up for me. And that it's a way of loving myself. Yes. Ah, oh, so beautiful. What a great note to end on. We're going to move on to picking who is going to be our winner. So we're going to do that live. <laughs> okay. So I want to say that the two ways I had for people to enter, one of them, only their email address. They didn't have a place to put their name. So it could be that someone wins. And I'm only going to know their email address, which means I can email them, which I'm going to wait until the day that this comes out. So there are 16 people who entered. I've numbered them one through 16. And I went to the random number generator in Google and put in minimum of one and max of 16. I'm going to hit generate right now. And it's coming up number 11. So number 11 is... Serafika. I actually know her. She's from New Haven. So she's going to get three one hour one on one coaching sessions with me on any topic. But I'm going to wait to let Sarah know until Monday, the 20th of February when this episode comes out. Yay. How incredible. All right, we are going to wrap this up with some rapid fire fun questions to end on a happy and a high note. This episode has been so incredible just hearing your journey and all of your insights. I'm over here like you guys couldn't hear me or see me, but I'm nodding and yes, all of these things and it's bringing things up in my mind. I had to mute myself at one point to take some notes. Oh, so incredible. So onto our rapid fire questions. What is lighting you up today? Okay, what's funny is the word that popped in my head was possibility. 
I heard a quote the other day, which by the way, I love quotes. The future is spotless. So I get to project whatever I want onto the future. And I am so excited about all the possibilities because I wasn't even tapping into things before, into the like the power of the universe and really my own potential before. So what's lighting me up is the power of possibility. Oh, so incredible. What is a hobby that you are participating in that is making you happy? I will say one area of my life that I would like to get better at is spending time on hobbies. But one thing that I do consistently that I love doing is calligraphy. So I love to send cards to people as an excuse to do calligraphy. But another thing I do is when I do my finances every week, as like a reward for myself, I take one of my quotes on my 70 plus page document of quotes, and I write it out in calligraphy before I start my finances. And when I'm done, then I put all kinds of stickers on it because that makes me happy. I love stickers. I have like a gigantic box of stickers. So oh, I love that. <laughs> Anything to like make the not so fun stuff more fun, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Are you reading any books right now that you are enjoying or maybe a book that you just finished that was chef's kiss? I'm always reading a gajillion books, but the one that I haven't started yet that I am going to start reading is called Existential Kink. Hmm. And it's by Carol, Carolyn or Carol Elliott. And the idea is that we can learn how to harness the energy from the difficult feelings and turn them into pleasure, I guess. I haven't read the book yet. I've watched a video by her. It was referred to me by someone else who told me that it literally changed everything for her. And I'm all about changing all the time. So I'm really excited. I'm waiting to get my hands on a hard copy because that's a book that I want to touch, not just read on Kindle. Though I love my Kindle app. I just sometimes need to be touching the book and taking notes in it. And I do take notes, you know, in my candle. It's just not the same. Yes, I agree. As a, as someone who reads a lot, it's not the same. (laughs) Yeah. What song is making you dance? Okay. So it's so funny because yesterday I heard Teenage Dream by Katy Perry on the radio and I'm 59 and my sweetheart is 64 and I'm picturing him and I'm like, you make me feel like a teenage dream. And I just like picture him and me. And so when I got to his house last night, I was like, I have a song for you. And I made him put it on YouTube on the TV. And I sang and like danced to it. And I was like, I've literally never watched the video. I've seen little pieces of it and stuff like that. So I'm watching the video at the same time he's watching it. And the people on it look absolutely nothing like us. Like we're old people, you know, and they're these like incredibly beautiful buff people and that sort of thing. But Let me just say it was a really good prelude for what happened later in the evening. (laughs) (laughs) I love that that's what's making you dance. That's so awesome. (laughs) All right. Well, this has been incredible. Thank you for inviting me on here, Barb. I have really enjoyed this. And anyone who's listening, make sure that you check out those links that Barb mentioned in the show notes of her past episodes and her journey. And make sure that you are listening to those episodes because they are so good. Well, thank you, Alicia. And I really appreciate you. And I also want to put a link to Gladi Media Studios in the show notes too, because 
working with you is such a pleasure. As people can tell just by hearing the way that you're talking and stuff, you're super fun. And she's also really, really professional and polished and all that sort of thing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all the listeners. Thank you for continuing to listen to the podcast. And if you got anything out of this podcast, please let me know. I'd love to hear from you either tag me or, you know, DM me on Instagram at higher power coaching or email me barb at higherpowercc.com. Was recently reminded by a friend that when I first started recovery, I didn't feel lovable. I almost can't believe that I used to feel that way and that I kind of forgot something so profound because I truly love myself now. And I want that for everybody. If you don't love yourself, there's literally nothing that can make up for that. I created something exclusively for my private clients since many of them don't love themselves. And I've now opened up my private vault to share it with up to 10 people individually. It's called the Self Love Sprint. You'll grow to love yourself and truly feel worthy so you can stop saying yes when you really want to say no stop neglecting yourself and putting everyone else first. Stop saying all kinds of nasty shit to yourself. That is not what people who love themselves and feel deserving do. You'll stop being afraid that others will think that you're selfish for taking time to care for yourself. This is also for you if you don't really know who you are because you've always been such a fucking chameleon. Go to higherpowercc.com slash love sprint. Remember, I'm only offering 10 of these, so don't wait. If you like this podcast, and I'm guessing you did or you wouldn't still be listening, then you're gonna love the other things I have to offer. If you'd love pre-release podcast scripts and episodes before anyone else gets them, or If you'd love access to content from my private vault that I developed exclusively for my private clients, which is like having a work session with me without me actually being there, go to patreon.com slash higherpowercoaching. There are three tiers ranging from as low as $4 up to $24 a month. You'll also love my weekly newsletter, Friday Fragments which has content very similar to the podcast. You can check it out at fridayfragments.news. That's fridayfragments.news. Please like and subscribe to my podcast on your favorite podcast outlet. I'd also love it if you'd leave a review, which you can do either in the show notes or on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find my podcast so they can get the benefits you've gotten from listening. If someone came to mind when you listened to this particular episode, please share it with them. And my favorite place to hang out on social media is Instagram. I'm at Higher Power Coaching. Please DM me there. I'd love to hear what you got from this episode. I run group and private coaching programs on building healthy boundaries. Whether you need help with boundaries in your personal, professional, or romantic life, I can help. Head on over to barbchat.net where you can hop onto my calendar for a free 30-minute Better Boundaries consultation. My ideal client is someone who is ripe for change. If that's you, I would love to work with you. My goal with all my work is to help you make lasting changes in your life like I've made deep, 
lasting changes in my life. Remember, it's never too late to recover. No one is beyond hope and healing is possible. Thanks for listening.